here at the 2018 National Religious Broadcasters Convention. There's a new movie that's going to be coming out this spring, and we want to talk to the originator, the heartbeat behind this movie, John Irwin. John, welcome to Bot Radio. Byron, thanks for having me. We love Bot Radio and all you guys. My dad, of course, was in uh, Christian radio for many years, for 14 years, and so that was I kind of grew up behind a mixer and, uh, and appreciate you promoting the film. I can only imagine is, of course, the best-selling, most-played Christian song of all time, but who knew there was this powerful story behind it that centered around the reconciliation between a father and son. I remember when Bart told me, he said, I watched God transform my dad from a monster to the man I wanted to become, to my best friend. And it was that reconciliation in their broken relationship that gave us all this song. And nobody knows that. And so it's it's incredible to get to bring this story to life. And we've had a great week here at NRB. It's been going on really nice. And I know you had a chance to actually premiere the movie yeah. in front of an audience here. And yeah. what's been some of the feedback? Oh, it's been amazing. I mean, it's just it's a powerful story. And, it, and by far, uh, beyond anything Andy and I have ever done, uh, it's the most powerful and emotional Andy's your experience. Brother. Andy's my brother. We Our films are October Baby, Mom's Night Out, and Woodlawn. And now I can only imagine. I think we've just discovered the unique power of a true story. And I can only imagine just because I think it's a leap forward, even from Woodlawn. And it's the most amazing experience with a group of people, with an audience in a theater. Um, I've just been blown away. We got to do the world premiere here in Nashville at the Shimmerhorn, where the Symphony Place got Hamilton hosted. The whole cast was there. And seeing everyone together again, Dennis Quaid and Trace Atkins and Priscilla Shire and this young superstar we discovered, John Michael Finney. It's, uh, Finley, it's just incredible uh, a week we had. And then we, we had a great day at NRB. Uh, on Tuesday, screen the film again that night. The feedback has just been outstanding. I think I told you I was in Branson back in November mm-hmm. promoting some things for Bot Radio Network and ran into Dennis Quaid. Yeah. He was part of the, uh, <laughs> the, the, the parade, the there. Branson parade. Yeah, he was sitting on the back end of a convertible Bel Air 1957, and I was trying to make sure the driver didn't run over my foot. So I was walking <laughs> beside him, and we had a great little time yeah. there. But, but talking about his part, he's so excited about being he's part so of the movie. He's so excited about the film. He loves the movie. Uh, in fact, he came. Came back from filming his show Fortitude for Amazon, where they film like as far north as a man can travel near the North Pole. And he came back and promoted our movie exclusively. And I'm so excited. He gives a, a staggering performance in the movie. It's so good. When he signed on for the role, he said, "I've never played transformation on film like this before." And of course, he's an icon in his own right. Yeah. He's headlined blockbusters, sure, but he's never played a character that has changed this fundamentally over the course of the story. And that's so exciting. And he gave himself fully to the role and. It's just a, a, a special story uh, that's behind a special song. And, and, I, and I remember asking Bart, what is it that people feel when they hear this song? Why, why would this independent band in Texas write what would become the best-selling, most-played Christian song ever? He said it's just it's a rush of hope. It's a rush of hope. And I think that's what people are going to feel when they see the movie. Well, you know, they sang this song the other night as the movie was going to be premiered. Uh, Mercy Me was opening up with Rick Warren here. And you could feel it in the audience. I mean, you know the song has had such an impact already. You could just see people engaging and worshiping God through that song. I can only imagine. Yeah, it's going to be special. It It was so cool. I mean, the trailers to this movie have been viewed over 100 million times now, which is a staggering thing. And we've had over 300,000 comments of people just leaving their stories with the song. And, and I'm one of those people. I mean, Imagine was a, a beacon and an anchor of hope for me um, when I needed it, when we were losing an extended family member to cancer. And, and I think it's, like, it's been that for millions and millions of people. So to be able to bring that kind of hope to the screen um, through this incredible story is, is really a phenomenal opportunity. I don't know why this, this has never been told. 
but I'm grateful that Andy and I are the ones that get to bring this story to the big screen. And John, what's exciting too is how you bring to the screen life compelling stories Mm -hmm. about life, you know? I mean, when we talk about faith-based movies, we know the reputation that they've had. Yeah, well, we can change it. But you've already changed it. Well, we're part of changing it. You have already been doing that. Thank you. And causing others to do the same thing. And so I think you're part of another generation of Mm -hmm. filmmakers that are really making it happen on the screen. Well, you know, just want progress is made one step at a time, and success is long obedience in the same direction. And we just want to see these films get better and better so that they can be viewed by more and more people. And I dream of a day where a film that, that's infused with Christian values and worldview and the gospel can compete, not with other Christian films, but with Star Wars and Jurassic World. That's the ultimate summit of the mountain that we're climbing. Now, I remember Sean Aston on Woodlaw and told me, uh, John, I see you guys as frontiersmen and pioneers. And I said, thanks, Sean. That's what we're, we're just wanna, we want to blaze a trail. He said, you know, John, most frontiersmen die on the frontier. And I'm like, well, I never thought of that. But, uh, but the good news is, is, is we're blazing a trail and others will come behind us. And I just think that there's a generation of filmmakers that are going to far exceed our talent and abilities. And we want to we blaze a trail for them. And I think we can make Christian films better and better. There doesn't have to be this stain on Christian art. We're storytellers serving the greatest storyteller of all time. We should be really good at this. Totally. I remember T.D. Jake saying, Jesus was a storyteller, so if he's around today, he'd be a filmmaker. And I'm like, I don't know if that's true or accurate or theological, but I'll take it. I think it's great. And a story can be a very powerful thing. And film uh, and entertainment in general is America's second largest export. So this is something that we can harness to get the gospel to the world in our time. I want to tell on myself, I don't like doing this, but since you're here, I've never told this story to you. But a couple years ago, I went to Washington to attend the Values Voters Summit, and I was checking into the hotel, and in front of me was John Voigt. Oh, John's great. What a great friend. I was so excited, the opportunity just to say hi to him. I had just seen Woodlawn. The movie had come out. And here is an an icon of an actor. Yeah, Academy Award winner. You know, Academy Award, very humble man, as you well know. Yeah, he is. So he did his working with the front desk, and I did mine. And he was standing there doing something. I said, uh, oh, Mr. Voigt, I introduced myself. And I said, you did an incredible job in the Greenlawn movie. And he looked at me like, <laughs> he looked at me like, Greenlawn. He said, Greenlawn. He said, do you mean Woodlawn? Woodlawn. I said, oh, my goodness. Yeah. And I just lost it there for a second. I remember we're on the Bot Radio Network now. I remember uh, the bots had not seen it. And uh, they, they saw it on opening weekend. And, and, uh, <laughs> and they had me on the next Saturday. Just so excited about the movie. And uh, Dick Bot said, it's called Woodlawn. I didn't know what it was. I thought it was a home and gardening movie. It's not. It's a football movie, and it's great. And I'm like, maybe we should have called this something different. But, you know, I think that the, the reality is I love Woodlawn is where we fell in love with telling a true story. Yeah. And we've had tens of thousands of, of people come to Christ all over the world because uh, as a result of the film. And what we've learned is that if you tell the right story in the right way, and if we strive for quality yeah. and really reach to earn the message that we care about as Christians, not use it as a crutch, then you can create a tool that's very powerful and the right story can really change someone's life. Well, I want to go back to what this whole movie, I can only imagine the foundation for it in the father and son relationship, yeah. which we see the breakdown in the family today. Yeah. At this convention several years ago, I met a retired Detroit police officer who was driving a bus for one of the ministries. Mm. And he told me a story. He was off duty, got off his beat, was going home late at night, get some gas, and he got involved with a robbery. And, wow. uh, and, and he wound up getting shot a couple of times in the chest. Wow. And went to the hospital, thought, hey, this is going to be it. 
but he survived. God healed him. I mean, wow. he was able to come out of that. But in the process of that, he said, God, I know that I have not been faithful to you. He had fathered 12 children from like four different wives. Wow. Women. They weren't wives. So he said, God, I want to make a promise that I want to go back and make restitution, and I want to make a difference in those children's lives. Yeah. Some of the women he called just hung up on him, didn't want anything to do with wow. it. But others, over the years, he's helped half of them or more to go to college. That's incredible. And he wanted to make a difference, you yeah. know. And I think, John, there's many a dad, maybe even listening today, that have blown it. Their jobs were their first love, not their families. They've blown it either through maybe addictions or just yeah. being not even there for their families, yeah. not there for their kids' ball games and just participating. But the years a locust have eaten can be restored. That's exactly right. It's never too late. I think that's one of the great themes of I Can Only Imagine and why I love the story so much is for the Arthurs of the world, that was Bart's dad, the character that Dennis Quaid plays. Sometimes, as dads, uh, we live in a cycle of shame, and we keep doing the things we're doing because we're so ashamed of ourselves and who we've become. And as men, we drift towards our competencies, and so that's typically our job. And what this story, I think, tells people is there's you can never be so screwed up that God can't fix and heal what's broken. Here's a guy that until the last two minutes of the fourth quarter had blown it, but it was that final redemption. It was that final. It was him. It was him coming to Christ and saying, "I want to reconcile with my son. I want to ask for forgiveness," which wasn't easy at first. No. But as God rebuilt their relationship, as as Arthur uh, had cancer, it was that it was that reconciliation that inspired a song that has given hope to millions and millions of people to this day. Yeah. So God can use anything. God can use your pain. God can use your mistakes. So to people out there listening that have made mistakes, we are never the sum of our mistakes, and there's always hope. And there's always redemption. And then for the Barts of the world, maybe it's time to forgive. You know, Bart ha- makes this courageous choice that he wrestles with th- to forgive his father. And that's the beginning of their turnaround. And, you know, forgiveness can be the highest form of love. So it's been so cool in these screenings to, to see people love the movie, laugh and cry and be entertained. And yet there was, there was a guy in one of the screenings, mid-20s guy, hadn't seen his dad since he was 14 years old, harboring a lot of bitterness. Found him on Facebook in the screening room. Scheduled a meeting for the next day, forgave him, reconciled. And, you know, it's like that last verse in the Old Testament, that the hearts of the fathers being drawn to their sons and the sons to their fathers. That's what I hope happens with this movie. And I think it's an incredible story of hope and optimism that shows that it's just never too late. I know before you really got into making more movies, I mean, you really started out, well, of course, the sports world, really. We talked about your career as you worked with uh, Alabama football, with ESPN. Mm-hmm. But later, as you did Christian music videos, yeah. and you've done a lot of a them. A lot of them, yeah. So is that through your relationship of doing those videos with Mercy Me Group that you discovered the story? Or how yeah, did you learn the yeah. story? Yeah, I mean, Andy and I, our practice track was music videos, and we directed a lot of music videos. It was through that that Andy got to know Bart Millard, uh, lead singer of Mercy Me, and you know they've just recently won Artist of the Year and Songwriter of the Year again. And Bart came to him and said, you know, my story's been in development. Would you ever be willing to take a look at it? And Andy said, uh, absolutely. And we just fell in love with the story. Just absolutely, it blew us away. And we were able to apply much of what we learned in the music industry because we spent many years in the music industry. And in fact, Michael W. Smith and Amy Grant really gave us a break to do music videos. That's what launched our careers as music video directors. Well, Amy Grant, I don't want to spoil anything for the movie, had an incredible step, an incredible role in launching I Can Only Imagine to the world that nobody knows about. It was a very selfless, heroic decision she made to, uh, to introduce the world to Bart and to this song. And it's a special moment in the film. And so I love the world of music. I mean, I think the right song is like the right movie. It can change your life. And 
and this is one of those songs that just keeps going and going and going and, and, and bringing people hope. So I, I can't wait for people to see it. We're actually, the release date, this is pretty cool. Just a bit before Easter, it's on March the 16th. That's 316. How about that? March 16th. So I'm John, and my movie comes out 316. So <laughs> that's an easy way to remember it. And a pretty cool, it was a total accident that that happened. So we're just, we love telling stories that are really entertaining and emotionally relatable, but that show you the power of the gospel to transform your life. And, and this is one of those stories. So did you and Andy write the movie too? Did somebody else write yeah, the movie? Yeah, I before? co-wrote the film with Brent McCorkle, an incredible collaborator. He actually co-edited it as well and did the, uh, the soundtrack. He uh, was the composer on the film. We have such a talented team. You know, we're two members of an incredible team of people. And that's what it takes. You know, it's a it's a team sport to make a movie, and uh, I'm just I'm blown away by um, by the talent that we're able to work with both and, on and off and, the screen. And you guys have built a reputation too. I know when you, of course, when you did October Baby, was really getting your feet wet. First film, yeah, yeah, first film. Yeah, Mike Tyson said every boxer has a plan until he gets in the ring, gets punched in the face. <laughs> that was October Baby but, you for know, us. I for still sure. meet people talk about that movie. Well, that's the amazing thing. You know, we have this thing that we say that I heard from Peter Jackson: pain is temporary, film is forever. It's amazing to see how long these things last and how far they go. It's very, very special. But, you know, through that, you have laid a foundation, and you're starting to earn a reputation among, like you said, you've got Academy Award winner yeah. in John Voight. You've got these, these actors and actresses yeah. who have paid their dues, and they made movies. It's great to work with them, yeah. And, and you're starting to get a name that they say, hey, I want to work with you. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so important. I mean, I think casting is probably the biggest job of a director. And to be able to work with... Just such heavyweights like John Voight or Dennis Quaid and, and how did, or Sean Astin. How did Dennis Quaid, I mean, did you pick him? Did, how did oh, you it's get incredible. I mean, we, we were actually, Noah Hamilton, who's Bethany Hamilton's brother from the movie Soul Surfer, you know, Dennis Quaid played his father in real life. He was on the crew and he was texting Dennis and we were putting in offers, front door offers to Dennis's uh, representation and just praying because we really wanted him to do it. And about a week before we needed him. He signed on to the project, and it was a special day on set. So we love to, to just assemble great casts. And, what, and even you know, people like Trace Adkins, Priscilla Shire, it's her first movie since War Room. And, and then we like to find young talent and, and, and launch them. And in this case, finding Bart was probably the toughest decision of all because we really wanted him to sing. We're like, we're not going to overdub this because people, you can hear the fakeness of that. Yeah. So whoever we pick has to have the voice of an angel. And I was in New York working, and I went to see Les Mes on Broadway. And the understudy to Jean Valjean was John Michael. And yet the lead only played about three or four performances a week. So John played Valjean in Les Mes on Broadway. And J. Mark McVeigh is the original yep. Jean Valjean. Yes. So was he the yes. understudy? It wasn't, uh, he wasn't the understudy to him. It was, the, it was in the second run. Okay. I forget his name, but he, he's played Valjean for about 20 years after. And so he played Valjean 65 times in that Broadway run. And hearing him sing these songs, these iconic songs like Bring Him Home, blew me away. I've never heard a voice like his. Come to find out, he had just submitted an online audition to, I can only imagine, his dad's a pastor, and he saw Mercy Me play in concert three times in high school. So it was talk about a needle in a haystack. And, um, and Madeline Carroll as well, she's an on-fire believer, young Christian in L.A. And so to give kids like that an opportunity to shine and then surround them by A-listers like Quaid and Voight, it's so cool to get to work with these people. On the set, how long did it take you to produce the movie? We shot this movie in five weeks. How about that? Yeah. It was it was fast. Yeah, it was, yeah. It's it's like summer camp. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, give me some God stories behind the scenes. Oh man, well there's so many. You know, just thinking about the song, I can only imagine there's a performance at the end of the movie where he finally sings the song, 
and we needed 2,500 extras to fill up a concert hall in Oklahoma City where we shot the film. We had 13,000 RSVPs and people from states all over the region that just wanted to be a part of what we were doing because they loved the song that much. And a snowstorm hit Oklahoma City and all the roads ice over. And we were praying. We thought, oh, no, what are we going to do? Nobody's going to show up. 2,500 people showed up in the snow and stayed till 4 in the morning. And I was blown away. And I thought, well, you can't stop the people of Oklahoma. And it was so cool to see how many people came from far away because of their love for the song and their love for the story. Even one couple came up and with a picture, and, and they had lost their child. And his gravestone was the lyrics I can only imagine. And there's been so many stories like that. And God has just provided at every step of the way. This is a miracle movie. I mean, uh, there's, there's just no way to explain this movie happening except that God really wanted it to happen. And we're honored to now get to finally share it with the world on March 16th. It's, it's really spectacular. And, and the film, I think, f- goes far and above anything Andy and I have ever done before because I think the story is just that good and it's just that emotional. It's a, it's a very, very profound emotional experience. I know the Kendrick brothers, uh, Stephen, yeah, his brother, absolutely. has he worked on this film with you guys? You know, it's funny. We're each other's cheerleaders. Stephen and Alex Kendrick... That was my journey into Christian film because I was a music video and commercial director. Alex asked me, John, what's your purpose and the purpose of your work when I was working for them on the movie Courageous? I was doing the action sequences. And not only could I not answer the question, I couldn't stop thinking about it. So since then, we've been incredible friends and allies. And it's really our goal to just push each other forward. And and there's this group of maybe a dozen of us, kind of uh, young filmmakers, Christian filmmakers, and we're just doing our best to lift this genre or lift this category or into whatever you want to call it and just build it and build on each other's work and push each other forward. So we call each other constantly saying we're, we're, we're praying for each other, we're, we're uh, encouraging each other, and they've even helped us promote the film, and they're just wonderful friends. One of the things I want to talk about just for a second, John, as we get ready to wrap up our show here, is John Irwin family. You and your wife, Beth. Yes. And your kids. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about your family. When you're, That's a great when you're making a movie and you're do, I mean, I know there's all the intensity and all the mm-hmm. attention is going that direction. Yeah. But let's talk about the Irwin home. What's happening oh, in the thanks. Irwin home? Well, I have four kids. Kate is my oldest. She's nine. Ethan is seven. Sam had just turned four. And Logan is one. Sam's our miracle child. He had unexpected open heart surgery over the summer. And it's something that should have killed him when he was a baby. And we're so lucky to discover it. And so it's been kind of a, a season of restoration for us uh, since then. And he's fully healed. Is he? I prayed. I know many Thank people you. prayed. Thank you all so over much. The yeah, country he is prayed. absolutely back. There's no scar tissue. And that's the only surgery he'll need. And he's gaining weight. And he's, he's doing great. So thank you for your prayers. And, and the song was really, you know, in a whole new way, I can only imagine, you know, ministered to me again. As I was uh, waiting for him and, you know, to come out of surgery in those two weeks that we were in the hospital. And just to know that God can use your pain and God can use anything you go through to give you a voice that can then give hope to other people as well. You know, John, I think that's so real and so relevant, too, for even those listening today. Because you go through the ups and downs of life and some yeah. of them are some pretty deep valleys that people yeah. are walking through right now. God takes us through painful things. And he does it for a reason. You know, Second Corinthians tells us that we're able to comfort others by the comfort we've, we've received from God. Well, to receive comfort, you've got to be hurting. God takes us through painful things in life sometimes to give us a voice to be able to comfort others dealing with those same painful things. Beth and I, and she's such a rock star, you know, we have a voice to be able to help those that are dealing with a child go, having heart surgery because we've been there. We've gone through. We know what it feels like. And, uh, and in, in another way, 
you know, Bart has been given a voice. And there's this line in the film, let your pain become your inspiration. Sometimes it's the difficult things that we go through that give us the biggest voice. And this is a story uh, of that. And it was Bart losing his father and the trauma of that relationship and the redemption of that relationship that has given him a voice to reach millions and millions and millions of people all over the world. And so sometimes it's those difficult things that God turns around to allow us, that give us a song to sing. And that's encouraging. It's so encouraging. And for us to make ourselves available, it's so hard. When you're consumed with the hurt and the pain, I talked to a man here at the convention who, after 40 years of marriage, his wife had cancer and then died. And he talked about just the, the grieving process that he had been gone through and really had given up on life and said, why do I want to live anymore? This is over. And yet God used some things in his life. Yeah. And he's written a book now. That's great. You know, and he's taking his story mm-hmm. and using the hurt and pain to help other people, to lift yeah. them up, encourage people, to give them hope. Yeah. The ultimate arsenal, the ultimate weapon in our arsenal as Christians is our story. You know, Revelation says they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the yes. word of their testimony, yes. their story. Yes. God gives us all a story. God gives us all a story of transformation. And we can share that story. And that story can be influential in the lives of others. So Bart's story, um, you know, he shared in song. And God gives us all a story to tell. I think that story is the language of our hearts, man. And, uh, and I say that as a storyteller. I think that there's just something special about sharing your story and what God's done in your life. That was what blew us away with the story. I mean, I, lo- I love the song. I knew the song. But it was the story behind the song and the story of Bart's life. And this kid that wanted to be a football player that, because his dad was a football player and broke both his legs in one, in one practice play in high school, and he had to take an elective just to graduate. The only one available was the Glee Club. So here's this big football player. <laughs> You know, trying to learn to sing, and it was his uh, his music teacher, played by Priscilla Shire in the movie, that first discovered this kid has a voice, this kid has a gift, and and he discovered his true gift, which was his voice. And it's just such an amazing story, and it's full full of it'll leave your heart full when you leave the theater. It, by far, I typically claiming the words of George Lucas, who said films are never complete; they're only abandoned. I typically am never in the room while the films are playing once they're finished. But I could watch I Can Only Imagine over and over again with an audience. I just did it with a church uh, yesterday. Just because to hear people laugh and cry and cheer, it's the most powerful emotional experience I've ever had in a movie theater with people. And I hope, I hope people can, uh, can see it on March 16th and don't miss out. Is there one, don't want to give away the movie, but is there one particular part of the movie that touches you most? Man, there's so many that touches me. Just that scene when Dennis says... Um, and this is what Bart's dad really said. He went from this guy saying, don't dream, they'll just leave you disappointed, just get a job, pay the bills, very cynical, to coming around of saying, Bart, you have a gift, a true gift, and I'm so proud of you. And he said, I never made much money, but I saved everything I could, and I'm giving it to you. You'll get a check every month. Go chase your dream. And you know, without uh, giving too much away, the week Bart got his last check from his father, I can only imagine hit number one on the charts as the number one Christian song in America. So I think that was special. And I think there's always something special between a relationship between a father and son. And we all have a story like that. We have a relationship. It's a very relatable thing. And I think maybe that's why Jesus said, pray like this, our father. You know, he gave us a new metaphor for God, which was his father. And that's something very special. So that, that moment was special. And then without giving it away, the role Amy Grant plays in the story and this moment where she, in essence, gave Bart the opportunity to sing the song instead of her. 
because she was going to record and launch it, and she just knew it wasn't her song to sing. So Andy was doing an interview, much like this one, I think in Atlanta, and with a DJ, and the DJ said, uh, what are you guys working on next off the air? And Andy said, well, we're thinking about you know Bart's story, and I can only imagine. And he stopped and he said, I was there. I was sitting in the audience at the Ryman in Nashville when Amy Grant pulled Bart Miller up on stage, and he sang the song instead of her. And we're like, wait, what? Did that happen? So Andy gets on the phone with Bart, and he said, Bart, did this happen? And Bart says, oh, I forgot to tell you that. Yeah, that's the first time in my life that reality exceeded my imagination. We're like, kind of a big detail to leave out. <laughs> and so we... Uh, we made that the crowning moment of the movie. It's so powerful in the movie. And it was one of those movie moments that, that you couldn't write it. It was just that good. Yeah. So it's, it's a spectacular uh, story. And there's so many other moments. I, I mean, I would fill up your program uh, telling you. But it's just a very special story and very, very special cast. And I think uh, just a powerful experience in a movie theater. Horizon for the Irwin Brothers. I know this movie hasn't come to theaters yet. Yeah. You're anticipating, we're excited about what's going to take yeah. place on March the 16th. But even though this hasn't been launched yet, are sure. you, is there something that's already brewing for well, the Irwin absolutely. Brothers? Absolutely. I mean, first of all, I think what's next is a good vacation, if you just ask my wife <laughs> That's and what family. Beth says, right? Yeah, that's, she says, your next movie is the Irwin Family Vacation, <laughs> but, uh, which we'll do. But Andy and I have fallen in love with telling stories that are, again, entertaining and emotionally relatable but that showcase the transformational power of the gospel. And they become these amazing tools. People say, I need what's in this movie. And I think we've only just begun to see what a Christian film could become culturally. And again, I dream of a day where these movies can get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger to where we can have them seen by more and more people. The big goal is not to make a movie. The big goal is to recapture the imagination of a generation with the gospel through stories. Yes. And we've only just begun. So if you'll support us on March 16, 316, God willing, we won't let you down. We're going to keep making these movies, keep growing what we do. We're not trying to get through middle America and through the church to Hollywood. I've been out there. I don't want what they have to offer. I don't care what they think. We're trying to bend Hollywood to the local church and to the purposes of the gospel and use this tool in a very powerful way. And uh, if you'll come with us and support us, we've only just begun. Tell you what, I'm so excited, John. And every time that I get around you and just feel your energy in the passion, passion for Christ, the yeah, desire to make him known. Yeah. And I know that's what motivates you. Yeah, absolutely. It is. So that's what's so exciting here. So again, listeners, you've got to come out. I can only imagine what I can only imagine is going to be like. So <laughs> that's great. So March the 16th at a theater near you. Is there a website? You know what? Here's the website. I can only imagine.com. I don't know how we got that site <laughs> after, but uh, yeah, I can only imagine.com. Find us on Facebook at uh, I Can Only Imagine Movie. It's all on the website. Sure. But tickets.icanonlyimagine.com has all the list of theaters. There's a very wide release. I'm so grateful to our partners in Lionsgate. This will be the biggest release we've ever been a part of and one of the bigger releases for faith-based films. So join us at the theater on March 16th. And listen to, listener, go ahead and now go to that website. If you can share the, the trailer, share the trailer Please on do. Facebook, you know, Twitter, social media, the banners. I'm sure there's banners you can share too. There's a bunch of stuff. Yeah, I so, can only imagine.com slash share. Everything. There's a bunch of stuff on there. And of course on Facebook. I'm so blown away. The trailer has been shared over 1.5 million times. It's unbelievable. That's awesome. It's got 100 million views between the teaser and the trailer. And I'm just so shocked by how many fans there are to this song. I mean, I knew I was one of them, and I knew this song. And sometimes as a filmmaker, you just have to trust that if something is meaningful and emotional and inspirational to you, it will be to other people. And we feel so vindicated because this song has touched the world, and, and it's, it's, it's like striking oil, just putting 
things on Facebook. Yes. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful to everyone who's watched the trailer and shared the trailer. Please keep doing that. Yeah. We want to create something called FOMO. And what that, it's F-O-M-O. It's called Fear of Missing Out. And when you come together, when we come together as one voice at the same time, much like Joshua in the Battle of Jericho, everyone had to yell at exactly the same time for those walls to come down. That's March the 16th for us. And when we make noise together, we trigger cultural FOMO, the fear of missing out. And that's the way we get back to this generation that has drifted. If you look at the generation leaving the church and you look at frequent moviegoers, it's the same group of people. There they are. The movie theater is in many ways their church. It's where they discover worldviews. If you want to get under the skin of a frequent moviegoer, just talk to them about a movie they haven't seen. It'll drive them crazy. They'll go see it that night. That's FOMO. We can create it together when we champion something on opening weekend. And this is a way to get God's story to the world uh, on this medium of film. So if you buy a ticket, you're a part of it. Your ticket is your vote. And uh, we're just asking everyone to join us at the theater March 16th. I think God's going to do something big. I think so, too, John. I want to thank you so much for what you're doing for Christ's thank kingdom. You. you and Andy both continue to do for his kingdom. Thank you for joining Bot Radio. Uh, you're going to have to watch where you walk next time. You walk right here. and you. I got- was just walking by, and this opportunity came along. So that's a, that's a wonderful moment. And uh, we love Bot Radio to just Rich and, and Dick and the whole Bot Radio family. What a great family and what a great thing to be a part of. So thank you for your support and giving voice to these movies. If you keep watching them, we'll keep making them. It's a partnership, and uh, we just appreciate everybody that supported them. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint, coming to you from the National Religious Broadcasters Convention here in Nashville, Tennessee. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.